Heyo, and welcome to the College Student Success Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping college students with mental health issues set and achieve goals for themselves that get them where they want to be. I'm your host, Derek Malinzak, and this is episode six of the podcast. So this episode is titled Illness Management and Recovery Explained. I am going to talk today primarily about the first half of that topic, illness management. Uh, And illness management can mean many things to many people. And we'll sort of explore what it might mean to you, the college student that might be struggling with something like um, depression or anxiety or just being really too up and down. Um, So the recovery part will come uh, probably next Thursday. And I've been hinting at recovery, and every time I talk about it on this podcast, I say, oh, I could do a whole episode on it. So it's probably time for that. Let's start with a few housekeeping things. I don't have much today. Once again, a reminder that the ongoing schedule is Mondays and Thursdays for the podcast. This podcast is uh, on Thursday, so it is more of a mental health-focused podcast today. Mondays will be more of a goal focus. Uh, So we will check in with your home exercise next Monday. I want to hear from you guys what's the one, you know, you were supposed to start a list of uh, tasks related to your, your big goal and just kind of figure out something, one thing, maybe a couple things you could start to do to change and, um, get started and I still have to do my thing. I have a plan out uh, to reach out tomorrow. So I hope that works out. And so I have uh, info about the website, uh, the blog, and where you can comment on the show and provide me feedback, which would be really helpful, at our subreddit, which is at our forward slash college student success and just a reminder that is a public sub anyone can post and view it so just keep that in mind Um, and the reddit link to comment on the episode is should be at the bottom of the show notes okay so story time i i have an illness i don't have a mental illness per se (laughs) undiagnosed Uh, I've hinted at it, I think, in the first episode, but um, I'm in recovery myself uh, for alcoholism. And it's not something I put out there too often to people, and so it might seem weird that I'm putting it out there to the audience, but um, I'm comfortable enough with the fact that I'm a recovering alcoholic at this point to really not have an issue with it. Everyone that's close with me knows it, and um, you know I've even disclosed in classes at times uh, with my students or in the mental health field when I felt like it would be helpful. I'm not a, um, I don't carry a flag, <laughs> you know. I don't, uh, you know, I'm not a crazy, you know, AA person. I really shouldn't use the term crazy. I don't typically do that. My apologies, but. Um, I do do things to manage my illness and you know once you sort of uh, come out as you know a, an alcoholic you know it's sort of an illness that doesn't leave you even if you stop drinking uh, I believe probably when I'm 50 and even if I take another don't ever take another drink I will still be classified as an alcoholic albeit one in recovery or one um, in remission is another term that you hear so how do I manage my illness? I have to um, 
stay around the people that are supports to me. So one of the things, you know, they talk about in AA is, you know, people, places, and things. I, I wouldn't say I shed a lot of my drinking friends when I went into recovery, but I certainly put it out there to them when I did enter into recovery what was going on. That way there was no shades of gray with that in terms of the fact that they were very clear of knowing he doesn't drink anymore, so don't offer him drinks. And they were actually really respectful in the beginning and didn't even you know drink around me until I told him it was, it was fine. And it, it really has been. Um, I have a best friend, you know, my wife is my best friend and the times that I knew shit had gotten too real and, uh, it was time to do something about it. That's who I, that was the first person I, I told and, uh, I thank her for standing by me. <laughs> so I, I manage my illness using my support network. Um, I don't really have cravings anymore, but if I did, I would use AA, and I have been to AA meetings before. Uh, I do find them helpful, even if I am not a big AA person, because it, it does remind me of, of what I am, and sometimes in the past, I used to get this feeling like, oh, I could control it, oh, you know, I've had my ups and downs, and I've had my, you know, slips along the way. But I'm proud to say that it's been multiple years at this point since I've had even a touch of alcohol and no desire to have any in the future. So although I, I feel confident now, I'll never, you know, I never want to feel that I have a total grasp on it. And if I ever start to feel that way, I know where to go. And so that's another way that I sort of help to manage my illness. And that's sort of an as needed one. You know, should I really start to feel the temptation? That's that's one of the things that I would do, and, and my wife knows that. Um, I journal, so that's uh, another thing that I've really done and started doing in the last year to help me examine my thoughts. And when you put them out on paper, or in my case online, so much can become clear especially if you look at it, you know, after putting some distance between when you write it and when you look at it again. There's an introspection that goes on probably subconsciously in your mind after you, you know, discuss your thoughts with yourself, you know, in the form of a journal. So that's one that I didn't necessarily start to help manage that particular illness. It was more because it, I'd feel less stressed out after I did it. And eventually I, I worked at making it a habit and I'm pretty close to there. You know, I definitely have my lapses where I'll go a week without writing anything and I, I struggle as a result. And then I realize what happens. Like, oh, I haven't done any uh, journaling. And sometimes, uh, you know, just sitting down and writing out a paragraph of, you know, a summation sort of of the last week, it just does wonders for my brain. Uh, so journaling is another big one. I listen to a lot of uh, other podcasts, you know, related to productivity and um, being excellent in general. And two themes that I continually see, uh, everybody talks about it, you know, who, are, who seem to be truly great at what they do or invested into that true productivity mindset are journaling and meditation. And meditation is not one I've gotten to yet, and so I hope to one day. Uh, so that's uh, 
kind of a little bit about me and my background and how I sort of manage my illness. We're going to talk today about a program sort of called Illness Management and Recovery, and it's a psychiatric rehabilitation intervention. So something that people in, that are in recovery from mental illness would potentially participate in. It's a group-based type of treatment. It could be done individually though, but it's got evidence-based status, meaning that there's been enough rigorous research on the, on the model, the IMR model, to say that it, it has produced positive outcomes for people. That being, people that uh, attend the groups and, and go in and set a goal um, often have positive outcomes, meaning they you know, get something out of it. They achieve their goal or you know, they kind of get some kind of support or they increase their education in some way. So I'm gonna talk a little bit about IMR um, right now and then talk about why I'm talking about it because I really don't think illness management and recovery groups are necessary for college students that are struggling with you know, depression or anxiety, although they, I'm sure they could be helpful, but it's not the first thing I'd be recommending because I guess where we're at now in the field, they tend to be more for the population of people that are, I would say, more severely affected. So people that have been long-term hospitalized, um, people that have been in the mental health system, are often the, the subjects, and I, I want to see it grow to beyond that. You know, I would love to see an on-campus IMR group, and maybe there are some. If there are, email me, College Student Success Podcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear about it. I would maybe even want to interview somebody that um, that participates. Uh, speaking of which, I had that uh, forgot to list that as a housekeeping topic. I have two interviews that I'm going to be doing uh, in the near future this semester. I've secured uh, two guests to come on and talk with me. One about supported education services. So what that is, how you could get a supported education counselor and what they might potentially do for you. And I'm also interviewing a somebody that works in a uh, community college on campus disability services office. And she is a colleague of mine that is gonna talk about you know, what, what services the disability office provides, uh, requesting accommodations, how to do that, why that might help you guys. So I'm really excited to bring those to you uh, in the next uh, month or two. So uh, back to IMR. So it's a regularly scheduled self-help type of group. So an agency, a psych rehab agency, for instance, might say, hey, we're going to set up an IMR group and anyone who's interested can join. And they might get, I don't know, between six and 10 people, is a typical uh, size for an IMR group, to all say, yeah, I, I wanna do that. Um, and they would all meet typically uh, once a week, I think is the standard. And they would work with a facilitator who's trained in how to provide illness management and recovery. And in the beginning of it, they set a goal. So it might be, I wanna um, improve my mood. You know, I want to reduce the amount of you know, times I hear voices, or I want to get a job, or I want to go back to school, you know, it could be anything. And each week, they go through a curriculum. And so the curriculum for any particular week might involve some kind of education about mental illness. So they do take you through the basics of, you know, what is bipolar? What is depression? Uh, I think there's one on schizophrenia. 
little modules for each one to kind of just give a basic interview, a basic overview, since for a lot of people, um, they might just be um, new to this and they might be learning sort of what the diagnosis means, especially if they've just been recently diagnosed. Then uh, they also sort of weave the information, you know, about their illness and the information that they get from other members of the group into, you know, the progress that they're making with their goal. So there's always a piece of the group dedicated towards checking in with each other about, oh, you know, did you do anything this week related to your goal, related to going back to school? Oh, yeah, I actually called the office and I uh, sent in my, my financial aid application. Oh, great. What are you doing next week? Oh, next week I want to... Uh, you know, follow up with them to make sure they got it. And I also have to register, you know, that would be the typical, you know, check-in type of thing. And then, you know, the, the facilitator would take you through a, a lesson, so to speak, and people would talk about it. And, you know, the interaction amongst the group is really what you're looking for. The facilitator, as things go on, wants to speak less and less and sort of have the group themselves take more of a leadership role. And so, you know, if the person did have a school goal and was running into a problem, you know, oh, I did try to do the financial aid packet, but I screwed it up or I can't, I miss, I'm messing, you know, I'm screwing up with something. Somebody else in the group hopefully could be like, oh, I've done that before and I just did it recently. I could help you with that. That's what we're looking for when you, when you get an IMR group to kind of foster that community sense of peers helping other peers instead of the facilitator being viewed as the all-knowing, all-facilitating God. Uh, the facilitator doesn't want to be like that. The facilitator wants to, you know, as it says in the name, facilitate and have the dialogue kind of evolve around them. So, and I think the big part of why you see the positive outcomes isn't so much uh, the info that they learn about the particular illness or about substance abuse or whatever the, that particular module happens to be on that week. But the accountability of saying, hey, I'm setting this goal, I'm putting it out there to you people, and I'm gonna do this this week. Homework is a, is a key element of the IMR group to say, I'm gonna, you know, like I said, send in that financial aid application this week. I've, been, I've had it on my plate to do for the last three weeks and I just haven't had a chance to do it, and this week I'm going to do it. How do you feel next week if you go into that group and you haven't done it? You know, you're going to feel shitty. So it sort of propels you to say, all right, you know, even though I, I have been slacking on it, I don't want to have to go in and tell my group that I didn't do it, so let me go do it. Um, that power of the group is a real, real influence on people, and I'm a huge proponent of accountability. I mean, it's just... It's so much of why I've been able to get to where I want it to be is sort of I tell people what I want to do and then sort of feel an obligation at that point. It's like, well, I put it out there. I don't want to, be, I don't want to look like a schmuck. So let me just, um, let me do it. And that is, is really helpful for me. So the key core ingredients of illness management and recovery, we have psychoeducation. So that's basic info about mental illness. Then there's a motivation factor, you know, what I was calling the power of the group, um, the, the ability for people that might be struggling one week, like, oh, I, I just, oh, I don't want to go, or I just, I don't want to do anything, you know, the group will, will rally and be like, come on, let's do this, or, you know, I'll pick you up. Um, huge element. And then the cognitive behavioral strategies, 
are the things you can do to kind of fix your thinking um, if you are in that negative cycle of pattern type thinking. Um, probably a lot of you have heard of what cognitive behavioral therapy is, CBT, and it has a whole huge body of evidence behind it. It's, it's sort of the gold standard now when, when people get therapy. Almost every therapist does some elements of CBT. Um, so you have these elements of you know cognitive strategies, motivational based, the, this accountability idea, being accountable to the group, and just general ed education about you know whatever the the group might need. In that case, it's mental illness. You know you might do uh, one with a substance abuse focus and sort of talk more about that. You know whatever, and and again homework is sort of a key element because the group only meets once a week, so. In order to sort of propel people towards the goal, they have to work outside of, of the group to get some of the tasks done and then come back. And, and it's that um, the motivation that they get of, of completing a few of them and getting that positive feedback from people like, yeah, fuck yeah, dude, you did that. Awesome. That people are like, yeah, I'm going to now do the next step and feel even better. And you sort of start to get that snowball of... Um, events occurring, getting done, feeling better, so you do more, so you get more done, so you feel even better, and then it's, it's you get the goal. So does any of this sound familiar? <laughs> I really base this podcast on a lot of those key critical elements. You know, I'm giving out information about, in this case, you know, on the Thursday shows, mental illness resources and a lot of the stuff that I've learned over the years and what helps and specifically the population of college students, the motivation base is, is the accountability piece, is the fact that I, I would like people to participate in the, the message board, the Reddit sub, um, because if they put it out there, you know, I'm working on this, and I, this is the next thing I'm going to do, I think you're going to be more likely to actually follow through and do it. And we're going to be there to be like, awesome job. <laughs> And then the cognitive behavioral strategies, which is, is going to be the background in cognitive remediation that I have. And a lot of that will come out more on the Monday shows. And I'll talk a little bit about uh, some of that on this upcoming show, uh, which is going to focus a lot on capturing things. So in, in terms of information, you know, if you find out you, you know, just got an appointment scheduled, how do you keep track of that? You know, calendar, you know, obvious answer, but it's beyond that. I'm going to talk a little bit beyond the calendar. So how are we going to do this? You know, it's not going to be a formal IMR group by any means. Um, we're going to do it together in a rough virtual sort of way, but we're not going to use an IMR curriculum. Uh, I have a rough curriculum in my head of things I want to cover, but it's really fluid and open to the suggestions of the group, as it should be. And so we're going to not follow an IMR curriculum, but we'll have our own rough curriculum and explore the basics of each critical element together. In this case, you know, being a college student that has things going on like depression and anxiety. Help each other when we fall off the goal attainment wagon. When it's like, oh, I just struggled this week. I didn't get anything done. You know, that's going to happen. It may even happen two weeks. Oh, I know. 
But it's going to happen, and there needs to be somebody in place or something in place to remind you, like, yeah, look, remember you were doing so great on this? I, I thought about that after I finished recording the last episode when I was talking about how I came to create the podcast and all the, all the work it took. And the fact that I had a few, few times, you know, I'd said I'd started really working on it in earnest in June of this year. But between June and, and the end of August, when I actually put out my first episode, I had a few a few time periods in there where I did jack shit uh, related to the podcast, and I was really worried that I was losing momentum and that I wasn't actually going to pull it through and get an episode out by the beginning of the school year. And thankfully, I stuck with it and I kept it at the forefront of my mind, using some of the things we've been talking about, um, and I kept focused on the next task. I, got, I wanted to just, you know, be like, all right, what's the next thing I need to do to kind of move this forward? And sometimes that's a struggle to kind of figure out what that is. And that is, it, it takes a trick. <laughs> I mean, it takes a, a sort of, it's nuanced, you know, to be able to like, well, this is what I might want to do right now, but it actually isn't the critical next step. So we are going to help each other and general hopefully be better people as a result of having participated. The the home exercises, you know, the things I ask you to think about and maybe try to do in, you know, on the Monday shows serve as, as the homework, so to speak. And the Reddit sub serves as the meeting place for the community. So I hope to see you guys, some of you guys on there. Um, I, my goal as a podcaster is, is to give you information, but also to be a motivator. I really want people to achieve the shit that they set out to achieve. I wouldn't be here if I didn't. <laughs> That's my driving goal, reason for being here. That's why I'm doing this podcast. So that when somebody wakes up on a Monday morning and is like, Ugh, I had a shitty weekend, I didn't get anything done, that they can see there's a podcast waiting for them and it might kind of refocus focus them to be like, all right, let me get back on track. What was I working on next week? That's okay, guys. That happens to everybody. That happens to people that are super, super productive CEOs, and that happens to us, college students and faculty members alike. Some examples of illness management strategies that I, some of which I talked about for that I use, and some of which I haven't. Having a support network, I did talk about. You know, my wife, my my good good friends that I shared you know, my recovery story with when it first happened to kind of clue them into the what I what I needed help with. Practicing relapse prevention, you know, that is an example of that was just what I said is is maybe your relapse prevention is being subscribed to this podcast. <laughs> How did I work that in so well? Um, and when you do wake up on Monday, I can't guarantee it's always going to be Monday morning that the podcast is available, but it will be available at some time on Monday that the podcast is there and you could listen and realize that we're all in this together and you know it's not too late yeah maybe something you got screwed up but you're back on track now or what i hope is happening is that people are kicking ass and taking names on the weekend coming on monday and being like all right i'm ready for this week ahead and let me go get some extra motivation by listening to the college student success podcast that would be great so that's a relapse prevention strategy, kind of a silly one, but there's many more I'm sure I'll share. Having a wrap plan. So this is a wellness recovery action plan. This is to mitigate crisis. 
So when you know, you know that there are going to be crises in our lives, it's just a matter of when or how frequently they occur and to what severity. So let's, wouldn't it be great if we had a plan when we were well that we wrote to say, this is what it looks like when I'm not doing well. These are the things that work for me. These are the things that don't work for me. These are the meds that I've tried that have not worked. These are the meds that I respond to. This is the hospital I would prefer to go to if I needed to go to one. I don't want to go to this fucking hellhole because they treated me like shit. That's all of the things that are contained in a, um, in a wellness recovery action plan. They're, they're pretty cool. And they should be available as, uh, I would imagine there are templates available online. If anyone needs a, a blank one to just kind of see what they're like, send me an email, I could probably send you one. Um, knowing and practicing the things that keep you well. So I had mentioned journaling as one of mine. I'd like to do meditation, not there yet. Uh, what, what, what keeps you well? What are the things that your hobbies that when you do them, you just become back to your normal self? You know, do you have to take a walk with your dog or do you go for a run? Do you go for a drive? You know, what is it that, that, that one thing that you could do? Do you call a certain person that just knows you really well? Um, practicing those things that when you start to feel like you're getting a little off kilter, off balance, that you can return to that place, that homeostasis, so to speak, and, you know, kind of keep moving in that upward trajectory. Um, pharmacological strategy, you know, that's medication. I think a lot of mental health providers, this would be the first uh, the first one on their list. And for me, it's like one, two, three, four, five, six, number six, five or six. Um, you know, meds have their place in people's lives when it comes to controlling symptoms and giving people some relief from their from their struggles. They're not the be all end all though, and um, they, you know, there is mixed results when it comes to certain medications so you know i do i do encourage people to do their homework if they are you know being if they're considering medication or if they've been on it for a while and they're not sure if it's helping um do your homework you know read up on this stuff there's an inordinate amount of you know wealth of information out there on on all types of you know pharmacological treatments for met uh, for mental illness both um you know, pharmacy and natural, you know, I think the natural remedy and herbal uh, alternative treatments are so, they're getting better at being accepted into mainstream psychiatry, but they're nowhere near, near where they need to be. So I definitely see them falling into that pharmacological um, subheading. And then the last thing, identifying and modifying negative thinking is just this idea that when you get in that downward spiral of depression that you can start to identify and be like oh this is not a good thought you know this is a bad thought i shouldn't be having this and turning it into a thought that you know can be you know motivating or productive and this takes a lot of skill i'm not going to lie and, and tell you it's as simple as that this is you know the, the core basis of, of cognitive behavioral therapy so I have a, a link or a, a citation in uh, my show notes today. 
It's a review of the evidence on illness management and recovery from a, a psych rehab um, researcher named McGuire. And he sort of, uh, he did a lit review, meaning he went and read all these IMR studies and then presented a summation of the evidence in one paper. So it's a good way to kind of read and be like, oh, wow, look at all these studies that were done. You know, overall, generally, the, the outcomes are positive. People are, are being helped by this. So I put it in there in case you're interested in reading. It is available just, you know, by Googling it um, as a PDF. That's all I have for today. Um, comment, if you can, in iTunes. Rate the podcast. Subscribe in iTunes. It's a huge help to me in getting the podcast off the ground and having it be seen by as many people as poss possible. That's all I have for today. Have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you guys Monday.